Welcome to the Post-Class Podcast, brought to you by TheEducatorsRoom.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Jake Miller. Hello, 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 and welcome to Episode 3, The Ripoff. Of many professions in the world, teachers know what it's like to play the game. By this, I mean they have to learn how to dance through the regulations of government, as well as the high expectations set for them, and let's face it, even higher expectations they set for themselves. While many like to cast the education profession as one that is merely part-time, especially when they look at our school day or summer, teachers regularly busy themselves by completely investing in not just building a wonderful curriculum, but immersing themselves in their students' lives. That said, there are thousands of teachers that have been caught in the midst of not jumping through these hoops, and now they owe the government money. Some of them even did everything they were told to do and were merely victims of a clerical error. For this situation, I'm talking about something called the Teachers Education Assistance for College and Higher Education Grants, better known as TEACH Grants. According to the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, the grants are, quote, different from federal student grants because it requires you to take certain kinds of classes in order to get the grant and then do a certain kind of job to keep the grant from turning into a loan. This garbledygook sounds like a very to remind teacher candidates that if they serve in low-income schools by teaching a subject with a high need for four years, they can be forgiven up to $4,000 a year. By all standards, this is a win for low-income students, low-income schools, and teachers looking to enter the field and make a difference. Win, win, win. Good, right? That is, unless you don't play the game properly. NPR broke the story in March 2018 when they obtained a DOE document indicating the failure to recruit and help teachers meet grant requirements. To quote teacher Maggie Webb, an 8th grade teacher in Massachusetts, my $4,000 grant was now costing me $5,000 as a loan. NPR also reports that Webb never received the paperwork to fulfill this grant slash loan. When she reached out to the department, they finally sent the paperwork. And when she followed up, they did not. According to the DOE document previously mentioned, 89% of teachers who begin the teach grant journey thought that they would fulfill the requirements needed to meet this grant process. Fact is, only 37% met those requirements. Again, that's from the same DOE document. Respondents said that probably was due to employment-related factors, which says they may have transferred to non-qualifying schools or never received their full-time teacher certificate. Others said it was the process of the grant, which include almost a third who said they didn't feel educated enough on what the actual requirements were. Another 13% simply gave up due to frustration in the challenge of the process. All of this has a bit more to do than just a slip up. I mean, think about it. We're talking about a program that's meant to better education by creating a grant to help teachers become teachers in low-income schools. This seems asinine. This seems counterproductive. This is a failure. So let's make a comparison. What if we went to get some great young scientists to go to cities like Flint, Michigan and check on the chemical water composition? 
to entice these scientists to go here. Um, let's just say, instead of going to someplace like GlaxoSmithKline or DuPont, we'll encourage them to work for the Environmental Protection Agency. We'll help them with student loans. We'll call it a grant. Heck, we might even recruit several of these people to work in a city's department. Now, all of a sudden, these people are so invested in their work, improving the waterways, teaching people how to appropriately treat and consume water, and working towards a time when it's of high enough quality to consume without fear. But several of these scientists forget to check a box, or initial something, or place a date. They miss the hoop to jump through when they are working on something important for the public good. Do we immediately change these scientists' grants to loans? I get that this uh, comparison seems maybe laughable because no right-minded person would ever say yes. They'd look at the need, they'd look at those plugging the need, and then they'd say, let's make a plan for this to succeed. As teachers, we know this story and stories like it all too well. There are students in our class who miss things. We're reteaching restructuring, re-explaining, and pointing at things missed by students. Details get lost, but we don't demote the kids a whole grade level. We don't say to their parents, you failed to check the box on which English class your kid would like to be in, so now I'm going to sorrily tell you that you owe us taxes for two years ahead of time. But is that what's happening here? As a teacher, trust me, I get the power of a due date. I uphold them all the time. Students in my class receive late points when they turn things in, but beyond my required timeline. Side note, I get that this could be a whole other podcast topic, so let's save the late points discussion for a future one. If a kid misses something because they were busy saving the world or busy getting the albatross off of their shoulders with whatever is going on in their busy lives, I'm usually pretty lenient with that. I'm not draconian about grades. I don't understand why the TEACH grants are draconian about these grants. My employer is pretty similar in its ability to remind me about due dates. I'm talking about me and not the Department of Education. Like most teachers, I'm a pretty busy guy who could use a personal secretary. So a reminder, a mailer, an email, all are seen as helpful direction pointers for my compass. When it came time to remind me to submit a form to ensure I received all $5,000 of the dependent care credit I set aside as tax-free money for my child's care, my employer and my flexible spending account manager both notified me of the approaching deadline. I'm going to be very honest, without that reminder, I would have been out $5,000 cash. Why, why, why does it have to be different for a grant? to encourage people to teach poor kids the most important subjects. Several of the teachers affected by this change are currently suing FedLoan, primarily through the Massachusetts Attorney General's office. For that, I say, bring on this justice. If these teachers are proven negligent, that they willingly defied the reminders to pay this grant, then yes, this should be a loan. They neglected it. But... If these teachers were out doing the good deeds of their community, changing radically sometimes the schools in which they teach, I think some leniency is in order. The Post Class Podcast is part of the Educators Room Podcast Network, produced by Eric Semmel and Jake Miller. 
Music is by the band Elephants Dancing.